Mark will never be relevant. Welcome to Talking Sons, the greatest podcast about Dungeons and Daddies, made by fans of the show. Dungeons and Daddies is a podcast about four dads who are teleported to the fantasy realm to reclaim their sons. This isn't that podcast. You should go listen to it because we don't care about spoilers and we'll spoil everything. Episode 2, Clean Hands Save Lives. The music goes here. Hi, my name is Jamie, and my dad fact is that I am the spam dad. You know, I everyone you've ever met who likes spam is a dad. That's me. Ugh. I like spam. Picked it up in college. I'm almost out of college, and I've never had spam, and I never plan on having spam. Seconded. Uh, I mean, not the college part, but the other bit. I tried it when I was in college, and I didn't like it, so. It's not bad. That's that's all I can say about it. <laughs> Okay. I mean, this is coming from someone who routinely eats Scrapple and Taylor pork rolls. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's that it comes in a can. I'd rather have a plastic sack of meat. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> that came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. That's all good. Okay. Hi, I'm Nikki. And my dad fact is about my actual father. Um, a few years ago at his company's Halloween party, he had the bright idea to um, go to New York's favorite street performer, the Naked Cowboy, and not only dresses him, but bring the actual Naked Cowboy into work with him. And they performed a song together. And today I got sent the pictures of it again for like the eighth time. And I just don't like seeing my dad in tidy whities I just don't like it. I fucking love your dad. Oh, he rocks, but I just don't want to. I don't want to see it. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with the the naked cowboy. He's a Times Square legend. He made me grab his titty. Oh God, he is naked. He has tidy whities on and cowboy boots, and he's holding a guitar, and he's got a cowboy hat, and that's it. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm Kelly. And my dad fact is I have absolutely super glued my fingers together while trying to uh, make a paper model of a Game of Thrones mask. So, <laughs> which my dad told me not to do. Well, he was right. He, mm, yeah, he's a good <laughs> guy. Uh, and uh, uh, my, my dad fact for the, this week is uh, I don't like scary movies. But I do like scary video games. And I, I think huh. the difference there is, is that when you're playing a video game, you're in full control of that character, which I understand would be kind of scarier to other people because you're like in control of that person's life and or destiny. But to me, that's more common because I can physically like affect what is happening on screen rather than just being a bystander. So, all right. So now we're going to talk about what happened recently. A brief note up front, uh, we are recording this after the release of episode 20, Silent But Deadly, but before the Mountains of Dadness was released and the Extra Life charity livestream. Uh, so we'll be putting this up on Monday, and we haven't heard those yet at the time of recording, so we'll talk about them next time. Sorry. But in this episode, the dads got their reward for winning four nights and then walked to the car. 
Yay. The end. Wrap up the podcast. We did it. I mean, I think the whole plot really did happen in the beginning when uh, the purple bitches uh, were talking about their cool dragon. And then Lark and Sparrow had the not a dragon ball and seemingly destroyed everything, which is like one peak Lark and Sparrow. I love those two boys. And two, literally the only important thing that happened in the entire episode, which I think is very funny. It was the perfect wrench, and I cannot wait to hear more about said wrench. Absolutely. Also, one of the purple bitches calling Daryl the Daryl was <laughs> excellent. <laughs> oh, I hate their guts. <laughs> I know you come here for hot takes, but guys, I don't like the big bads. Yeah, those purple guys are total dicks absolute worst it's like they're bad guys or something weird stupid antagonists antagonizing our protagonists how dare they really so i'm gonna back things up a little bit even before the intro i wanted to talk about the controversy if you the audience somehow found this podcast but don't know the dungeons and daddy's twitter or facebook group the dads made a tweet saying Okay, so this next episode you are either with this podcast or will probably or <laughs> will probably be it for you. God damn it, Freddie, <laughs> you suck at grammar uh, for you. This is a real ride or die episode, folks. Read your tweets out loud before you put them up. That was shit. Get him. Get his ass. All right. So uh, what was the controversy supposed to be about? There were, I don't know, a couple of controversial things there was the nat 20 fart there was the toilet humor there was washing your hands it had to be henry's fart symphony like i get the hand washing debate um is like still viscerally upsetting to me (laughs) but the natural 20 fart symphony that i listened to at work gave me a physical upsetting reaction and i think if anyone looked in my cubicle when i was listening to this they would see me actually in pain and have to ask if i was okay it sucked to listen to I had a very big smile on my face. Same. 100% same. Oh, so God. there are definitely two camps on the fart because I was with Freddie in the background of Will describing the fart. Freddie was dying laughing and I was right there with him. <laughs> I was that segment of the audience. But uh, Matt and Anthony and Beth were dead silent. I didn't hear them once during that whole movement. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so meanwhile, my wife, who is with Parasite, (sighs) I don't like saying with child. Sorry? Sorry? With Parasite is somehow better? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) No, so it's she's never had the uh, you know, she like there was one time that I made her laugh so hard that she threw up. Oh um, but with pregnancy, this has just made it like a hairpin trigger. Wow. And she literally threw up during the description. Will Campos does not deserve rights. Will, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I have rescinded your rights. You have not passed the vibe check. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, though. Well, I mean, to be fair, the whole Henry hand-washing thing is totally fair for him not having rights at all because he's a disgusting human being. Yeah, that was the first part of me rescinding Will slash Henry's rights, and then the fart movement really did it for me. 
I mean, I'm okay with the fart movement thing. That was hilarious. But the hand washing thing is not okay. The hand washing. Like, um, I I really hope that that was just a character choice. It's, there's no way. There's no way. I'm sorry. Will sounded so offended when people were like, yo, wash your hands. Right. And I mean, Beth is absolutely correct because all men are awful. Yeah, I agree. Hey, hey. <laughs> I wash my hands every time I go to the bathroom, goddammit. Okay. Okay, maybe we have some trustworthy men here. I, I mean, I wash my hands mainly because I can use those super cool jet dryers. Like, there's no reason to, <laughs> unless you're... No. But hand washing is important, yo. So yeah, anyway, the big controversy was almost definitely, I think, like a combo breaker hand discussion fart movement. Uh, just really a punch to the gut. All right. So the next big thing to happen is that CERN has completely abandoned the boys. They had one last chance to bring him back in and let him regain his family. And they didn't. And so, oh man, it, it, it broke my heart the final time when he hooked his thumb over his shoulder and pointed, pointed the cops at the dads. Fair. He was super pissed. But I mean, if they didn't do that, CERN would probably be dead right now or in the process of dying. Or Faerun just wouldn't exist anymore. Or that, yeah. A lot of things could have happened. I'm definitely team Daryl and Henry on this one, where I do I do think they are just handing him a loaded gun if they were to give him the deck of many things. For sure. Um, but like CERN, because they're so popular in this world, CERN can easily just re-enter Four Nights and come in third. Like It didn't seem really that difficult for the dads. And CERN, he was in a fucking mech. I guess now he's mechless, but he's like two foot nothing. So he can, I feel like he can survive and get another one. So I guess we'll see if he does try to enter again. Or maybe and, we won't. I mean, it's entirely possible that we won't see anything really happen. I guess if he does enter again and does get the deck of many things, we'll just kind of feel the effects of it. So we'll know it happened, but we will not see it. Yeah. And, and so... Do we so do we think that CERN is now officially out of the story? Was this his goodbye? I almost hope it is for like CERN the character's mental health. I think oh, he for needs sure, for sure. not the dads to be like, dude, it's okay. So I almost hope he doesn't come back. But like I love him to death. So Yeah, I want him to get some therapy and you know, just find something. Find something to hold his hand. And and to generalize it a little bit, I think that hanging around the dads can't be the best thing for your mental health in general. So probably not. Maybe it's a good thing that everyone is leaving them. Oh, just anyone hanging out with the dads. Yeah. I think Peyton's okay. Peyton was the exception to the rule. Because he was a bundle of kittens to begin with. That's true. He was, though. He was the best. And he's still there and he is still alive. And that's what matters. Yes. That is true. True, true, true. The the guitar, though. The guitar. Oh, the guitar. That was so choice for Freddie to pull that one out and trade that instead of the amulet. Because totally right where they are going to need that amulet if they're ever going to go away from the purple bitches. Yeah, so, but yeah, they, they needed to keep it, but... Wasn't it wasn't it Will or or Henry who suggested, yeah, just use, you know, let me prick your your finger with blood so that you can sign it. And then he it went was and, Oh, it was Daryl. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, Daryl, which, by the way, went so badly for him last time when he, you know, let someone prick his finger. Um, Daryl was the one to be like, just use, just, just use your blood, whatever. Uh, and then made Ron sign the back of it in blood. And then it, uh, and then Will was like, wouldn't it be cool if that had horrible consequences for them in the future? Good job, Will. I love whoever on the Patreon or uh, on the Discord pointed out that Ron should definitely now multi-class into a warlock because technically he made a bargain with a demon. Oh, that's so good. he could be getting some fucking sweet ass warlock powers. So let's let's get Ron an Eldritch Blast for sure. Do you think that Ron never used a sneak attack Stantler? would actually use warlock spells? Absolutely not. He would use Eldritch Blast and try and like cook a chicken wing. <laughs> I think on a broader um, Beth May level, I don't think she would use it unless Anthony was like, you wake up and Ron is shooting Eldritch Blast accidentally. And it's like, oops, nocturnal emission. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> That, that happens to a lot of guys, but when they're going through puberty. Oh my God. That wasn't where I was going when I started the sentence. <laughs> well, now we're here, so. <laughs> Fuck. So speaking of Daryl, um, from, a, from a character note, in this last episode, it, it felt like he was reaching out and the dads were doing... I, I'm I'm not sure if this is like the D and D thing of ooh, there's so many things we need to deal with right now, and whoever is talking kind of moves the plot forward, and no plot happens unless someone is talking about something. Where he was reaching out and he was seriously not okay, and all the other dads, I don't know if they were ignoring him and treating him like he treated Grant because every time tr Grant tried to reach out, Daryl, it was like, no, 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 we got something super important to deal with. And he was reaching, you know, Daryl was reaching out and all the other dads were like, no, 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 we got something super important. And so, you know, we got that, we got that echo. So do you think it was deliberate where the dads were chasing the shiny objects to, I don't know, shine a light on what Daryl was going through with his son? Or do you think that this was just kind of how D&D works? Well, Henry does uh, when Daryl starts and he's like, uh, guys, I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> um, Henry does like say like, oh, he's very proud of him. And he's kind of like supporting him through that. I don't think it would have been super interesting audio wise, like podcast wise to have a Daryl Wilson therapy session, which I think literally everyone wants. I know I do. I We need to get that man to some therapy ASAP. Um, I would be on board for a Daryl therapy session. At 3,000 Patreon subscribers, we will have therapy <laughs> for Daryl. So subscribe to their Patreon. But they did have a nice uh, dad huggle and Daryl yeah, yeah, gave yeah, yeah. Ron some head pats. That's true. So some some emotional support. Also, Glenn and Ron are like physically incapable of emotional support. Yeah. Like it doesn't help that Daryl is the other emotional support dad. Like, it not really. He's not really. But like on a scale of like it, it definitely goes like ranking wise of emotional support. It's like Henry then Daryl then Glenn then Ron. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd say that that's correct. That's a crazy scale to go from Henry to Daryl, but it really is. So I think like game wise, there wasn't a lot of 
space in four nights that was the whole problem with daryl couldn't talk to grant because there just wasn't enough time but at this like dnd wise i think they were like we genuinely have been in four nights for too long and we probably should get a move on yeah okay and i guess unless anybody else has any other topics uh the last thing we have to talk about is the deck of many things but before we can talk about that we have a word from our sponsor oh hold on the the notes appear to have been replaced with this this condom wrapped around a deck of cards. Oh no! Oh, oh it's all it's all gross. I do not want to open that. No, there's oh I I, I picked it up. It's already oh there's like organic spermicidal lubricant on it. I draw one. I yeah. Okay. I reach in. I draw it. Yeah. It's really damp, guys. I don't like it. Um. You know, it is weird, though. It is just a card that says Shinji on it. Huh. Uh, it's just, huh. yeah, it just says, it just says Shinji. Okay. Does anyone, how did this get in here? All right. Well, I mean, I'm just going to put this down. It's like really sticky, too. And I'm like upset at the implications of this condom. So I'm just going to. You know what you should do, Nikki? What should I do? Wash your hands. I am going to go wash my hands. Excuse me. While for five minutes in real time, we record me washing my hands. And we're back. So we're going to move into the conspiracy corner. Uh, we didn't talk about the library because we wanted to bring them in here. And we so... need to talk about CERN's horsewife right now or oh, I'm going to lose it. OK, let me cite my sources. At about 41 minutes in the podcast, CERN is talking about he's trying to make a when horses fly. And then is like, oh, horses do fly here. And then he discusses the erotic capabilities of horses. I am here to propose that CERN's wife, whom, with whom he has had two kids that are now deceased, is a horse. I did mention this in the Patreon Discord. So uh, if you are there, uh, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, but Anthony did, did concede to me slightly that I am allowed to make him into horses. Oh, that is... Horrible phrasing, Nicholas. Sorry? I don't understand. He, uh, hmm. <laughs> phrasing? Yeah, no. Um, I, I mean, the way that Anthony phrased it, he just kind of made CERN out to be a horse girl. You know, someone who <laughs> was... A, I mean, you don't have to marry everything you're attracted to. Look, look, I'm not saying that CERN saw a horse and was like, Zuli, mama, I gotta get up on this thing. I'm pitching you that CERN has a loving and welcoming relationship with a horse. Horses are beautiful, strong, sensual creatures, <laughs> and I believe... <laughs> so, you would admit that horses have a... They do possess erotic capabilities. Listen, I, I am the horse... <laughs> <laughs> and now let me pitch you that let me pitch you this because pegasi are the prime horse species of the forgotten realms is cern a freak for liking horses because they're uncommon you know like how in our world that works <laughs> i i mean is is like is there a world where the needle between liking horses and the you know and liking pegasi the needle of social acceptability does that shift any more acceptable or weird look all i'm saying 
that it is one definitely like a donkey dragon kind of situation where their their kids are cute but you don't understand them <laughs> for the second point is that wasn't there a point where cern pulled out a picture of his kids and was like it's like they're still with me all i'm saying is that if somebody looked over his shoulder they would have been this weird lizard horse abomination that's beautiful you know what else is beautiful daryl wilson let's talk about that Smooth. <laughs> Hella smooth. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. All right. So moving into the main topic discussion for this episode, because he finished his dad arc recently, uh, we're going to put him under the spotlight. So Daryl Wilson, he is the party barbarian. He's a stay at home coach dad. You know, his, his role in the Dungeons and Dragons party is that he is the barbarian. He's the guy who kind of punches out a lot of melee damage. He absorbs a lot of damage, but you know, he's not he's not the finesse player, he's not the party face. Even though he tries to be, he's always out there, you know, sticking out his hand. Hey there, Daryl Wilson, and I stick out my hand. But he's really very ill-equipped for that. Like Glenn should be the party face, and yet he keeps on going. But also, he is kind of the party heart. So you guys were talking earlier about the how he's the, you know, he's kind of the the backup emotional support. But, you know, so the first impression I got of him, I was kind of a little bit unsure because when he was sneaking the things out of out of his pocket oh or out of whatever, <laughs> I, I I totally had him mixed up with Glenn. Like I thought he was the druggy dad and he was sneaking like edibles or something. I totally thought the same exact thing because he was so secretive. And then Will found out he like rolled high enough on perception to like see what it was. And then Matt was so sneaky about it that I'm like, it has to be like drugs. There's literally no other option. So the Charleston Chew thing really was like, like cemented me in my like, this is my favorite dad. <laughs> I love him. I love Daryl. I love everything about him. I love the crying behind the sunglasses at everything. Um, I I did not have the thinking that the Charleston shoes were going to be drugs. I thought it was definitely going to come through as something benign, but um, obviously it was not benign because Charleston shoes are terrible. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Hey, hey, Sorry, hey. hot takes. Real hot takes. Before you defend Charleston shoes, let me ask you, have you ever actually put one in your mouth i don't think i have yes i i have and they're pretty terrible the key the key is freezing them and then eating them that way i've 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 heard that um but i i don't know i i mean i i think it says something about him that his favorite candy is something that the average person off the street would have like the same reaction as black licorice because it shows that he got these from his dad. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Points. Good points. Black licorice is also terrible. So, you know. Might I just add to why or why not uh, Charleston shoes might be terrible. Uh, in the Facebook group, uh, which you should be in, um, Matt commented on something where someone was eating a Charleston chew and he went, oh man, I should swing by Home Depot to get one. Home Depot? <laughs> Home Depot? The fact that I that Matt Arnold has to go to Home Depot to get a fucking candy 
should be a bad sign. I hate to like barge in here and pull them out and be like, as the only dad, uh, my kids get super excited whenever I pull into Home Depot because whenever they go ho- go to Home Depot, if they're good, they get to pick out something from the candy aisle. That is an adult man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of my sentence. All right. I also, I love the the dad fact about the Chelsea boys and how he just wants to connect with Grant. Like, my heart, my heart, you baby. Yes. From from an arc perspective, where did he start in his character arc? Like, what do you think was, was most wrong in his world that brought him to the Forgotten Realms? And what did he believe about that world that let him live there the the idea of his toxic masculinity like he thought that he had to act a certain way and get things done in such a way and live up to these impossible standards for dudes and this is kind of teaching him to subvert all of that thinking and just start thinking of himself as a person And, you know, not just part of a couple and being a dad. It's all of that. Okay. Okay. So, and, and so what particular thing do you think that he could fix that would, I don't know, flip a switch or uh, would, would mark out a finish line that when he fixes it, fully fixes it, he could finish the race and say, okay, this, this storyline has been achieved. Well, it's weird. On a personal Daryl level, he needs to talk to Carol and sort that out. Because I do think that for him as a person would help him kind of sort like his emotional problems out because like Carol feels like she can't be emotional with him. So that's like rubbing off on him. And he's like, oh, I don't need to be emotional. But like on a D&D level and a D&D podcast level, that almost certainly isn't going to happen in like a large capacity because, again, an hour long Daryl Wilson therapy session is it will be interesting, but not exactly what they're going for with this podcast. So I think on a and d level, he'll have to come across something that like maybe a big bad that reminds him of Carol or like maybe the purple bitches are like you here's your exact problem. And here's why like maybe that'll sort him out. But I do think he's heading in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like in the Four Nights arc, he's def- he was definitely like more working towards that. He was like starting to reach out to his son instead of just kind of being that like dad stereotype or like man stereotype of being, you know, stoic and strong and whatever. He was trying to open up to his son for the first time, probably, you know, ever coming from the real world to the Forgotten Realms. So it's he's starting to crack open and it'll be really interesting to see like what 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 happens more with more interaction with his son and if that or um confronting that big thing with his wife is what's gonna like make him go further and develop more as a character and more as you know daryl okay so that's really interesting so in order to rescue his son from the purple dudes like in order, I, I don't know what the wind conditions Anthony has set up, but in order to fully complete who he is as a character, is it something he needs to work out with Grant or is it something that he needs to work out with Carol or is there some root thing inside himself that he needs to adjust that will address both? I think the biggest problem for all of the dads is going to be overcoming their 
internal whatever the situation is, whether it's hangups or self-image or, you know, how they interpret their role of dad. I think that is what they're going to have to get over because from there they'll be able to more appropriately or more intelligently deal with their external problems. All right. So we we kind of all have endpoints for where we want him to end up in terms of where he is for happy, where he's, I don't know, worked things out with Carol, maybe left Carol or put Carol in her place or gained equal footing in that relationship and opened up enough to grant that they can have a healthy father son relationship. But where do you actually see uh, Matt and Anthony taking the character by the end of this campaign. They're going to make me like Carol <laughs> in a poly relationship with Henry Oak and Mercedes Oak Garcia. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't say it first. I second you, Kelly. <laughs> I said it for V too, because she would very much want that to be represented Look, here. All I'm saying is that Will implied one time that they have a pretty open relationship. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to abstain. But it, in reality, I think that they are taking it in a really interesting direction to prove that like it's not just carol's fault uh daryl also has something to do with it for sure uh mm -hmm. so i think they'll definitely continue down that path and make me like carol <laughs> fucking carol carol all right and and finally uh we talked about grant we talked about carol we talked earlier about cern are there any other important relationships that maybe Daryl has that are having influence over him or that he needs to reconcile. His relationship with the Chelsea boys is extremely positive and <laughs> the most pure thing on earth. As opposed to his relationship with his dad. And his relationship with the library. <laughs> Where I thought you were going oh. with the segue. I was... Not going. We forgot. <laughs> smooth, guys. Super smooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so the library. Yeah. He's in there. What's up? Yeah. Daryl is part of the library collective now, whether he wants to be or not. He's a branch. He gave the, the library pink eye and got butterfly uh. kisses. Oh, no, the butt butterfly kisses was horrible. Uh, but pardon, they were taint butterfly oh, kisses. Oh, taint butterfly kisses. Excuse me. Somehow that makes it worse. It's like that song, "Butterfly Kisses at Night," about the the father and the daughter. Oh, don't make it weird. Oh. But anyway, I am so excited by the library wearing the van. Uh, I think it's I think it's so funny. And I think someone someone had mentioned uh, that earlier they had lied and said that the Odyssey was like a shell that they were using. I think yeah. they like they refer to it as like a hermit crab shell. So I I mean that's exactly why li the library is under there. You know what's another possibility though? If the library just creates a outer shell, like. Didn't in the initial introduction, the library had like it was standing in front of a building, but the building was part of it. So what if it just built a construct of the van and swapped out his fake van for the real one? For the, Damn. For the Odyssey. Yeah. I could see that. 
He's a tricky fuck. He is. How he is. big is the library? He can't be man-sized. I think initially he is like like on first like appearance, he is man-sized, but he also comes off as like this eldritch being that can do whatever the hell he wants. So yeah, that's that's, that's my take on it. Do you have you guys seen Spirited Away? Yes, yes. I, I picture him as a two-armed, two-legged version of the Spider-Man from Spirited Away with like those okay, super okay. long arms and the round head and the big nose. So here is my personal take is that whatever part we see of him is actually just like the the little glowing part of the lantern fish. It's only oh, a portion shit. that we're actually seeing because the rest of it is a behemoth and is unknowable. So he is an extra dimensional being who is huge and unknowable and kind of gross and just a little bit, I don't know, creepy in a pedo kind of way. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind, that's exactly where I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. like in order to be seen in our three dimensions that we can tell, he only brings out this little sliver and it could be anything. Could be it could be a tower of books or it could be just this creepy little man who can spawn elbows at will with a super gross tongue. Oh, yep. Oh, delectable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. And he likes the smell of farts. I love him. I, I'm a Scam Likely fan first, but the library holds a special place in my heart. Are there any other Daryl Wilson moments that we want to talk about? What was your favorite moment with Daryl Wilson? My favorite Daryl moment? Uh, picturing him square dancing. <laughs> That's it. That's all I had to say. Okay. <laughs> Someone else say a better one. I'd say mine is uh, Daryl Plick picking the flowers for Carol and then <laughs> getting high off his fucking ass. I, good moment. I, you know, I think because Daryl is such a tragic figure in my opinion uh, and, and it's so Daryl, but this isn't a moment that made me laugh. It was the moment where he sat in the chair that sucked out his favorite memory of oh his dad. God. And oh, so then Daryl just kind of walked it off like it was nothing. And that is so who Daryl is as a character. Well, yeah, but also he didn't know that he lost the memory. So it was yeah, just yeah. made it worse. It was so bad. Fuck, I forgot about that. That's really very sad. Oh, you're a fucking bummer, Jamie. <laughs> I am. And I, and, but, but the thing is that I think that is who Daryl is as a character. He loses things all the time without really understanding that he's losing them or why that's pretty true okay all right i can see it yeah, oh it's... guys guys obviously my favorite daryl moment is when he sees the knob going from terry jr to terry senior and goes oh it's kind of like a cheeseoid moment <laughs> fuck you're so <laughs> i was sitting here racking my brain for what my favorite daryl <laughs> moment was and it was standing right in front of me it's like i couldn't even decide was it cheese was it petrol was it daryl I, I thought i thought you were going to talk about the time that he attacked the tree because he didn't like trees no no no, come on. I need to shoehorn cheeseoid into this podcast somehow. Oh, God damn it. Okay. So we've we've wrapped up Daryl. I feel like that we've wrapped him up and we've 
swaddled him and we've tucked him into bed and now he's snoring slightly asleep in the bed of our i don't know whatever it is that we have he's he's dreaming of charleston shoes and approval from his father so now we're gonna move on to the fandom plug okay i'll i'll oh i'll go don't guys don't I'll jump in at once um so uh i've been enjoying uh my own voice because on Friday, a second episode of the podcast I do with my friend Bryn called Show Me Your Fic uh, released. And we talk about Glee and zombies. And it's very good. And uh, I think you'll like it if you like hearing me ramble. Because that's basically what the podcast is. And I enjoy it too. Because uh, I'm a narcissist. That tracks. <laughs> I'm really digging The Good Place. Um, it is just like peak television for me i never expected to watch a tv show like this and it's just so consistently fantastic and jason mendoza is a perfect specimen manny jacinto is just a chef's kiss so my fandom uh or my fan plug as I'm sitting here in the dark, hiding from trick-or-treaters, because we are <laughs> recording on Halloween night, I am looking forward to another run-through of Nightmare Before Christmas, because that is the perfect Thanksgiving movie. It is the best Thanksgiving movie ever, because it takes place between Halloween and Christmas. It is the war between Halloween and Christmas, and that line is Thanksgiving. Uh, my thing, uh, my fandom thing for this week is a game that just came out last Friday, uh, The Outer Worlds. It's Obsidian's new RPG that was also uh, written by the original creators of Fallout. Um, it's real good. Well, really good story stuff. Um, and if you like first-person action RPGs with like great writing and um, potentially the fall of capitalism it would be right up your alley. Okay. I'm not Beth May, and she's not here to send us out, so everyone, have a good night. This podcast was created and produced by a lively group of volunteers. Talking Sons was mastered and edited by Agnity. Consulting producer is Veet Vujigig. Our theme music is Madness is Everywhere by Lobo Loco. Thanks for listening, and if you'd like to catch the next episode, search for and subscribe to the Talking Sons podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. If that doesn't work, follow us on Facebook and Twitter via the at Talking Sons handle, or just go on over to TalkingSons.com to snag the next episode two weeks from today. Next episode should drop on November 18th. If you would like to bring a bit more joy to the world, follow Nikki's Twitter. I'm not going to give you the Twitter handle because Nikki doesn't deserve it. She knows why. If you would like to participate in this fan cast, please consider explaining your desire fully to your next door neighbor. 